Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hi, you guys. Uh, Jamie Glowacki here, and today I'm very excited because we're going to be talking with Alana McGinn of Goodnight Sleep Site, my go-to sleep expert. I have my Google open on how to do interviews on Instagram. This is my first. <laughs> I'm very, um, I'm very nervous because tech doesn't go well for me usually. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to invite. Oh, I see you, Alana. I see you. Hold on. Works for me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was sick to my stomach this morning. I was like, tech never. I look up something on Instagram and they'll be like, well, click this little icon. And I'm like, I don't have the icon. I don't, my phone's stupid. <laughs> my dog is like in my face. I know this is exciting. Just lie down. Oh, yay. So good to see you. We look so cute together I with our glasses. Glasses. Glass twin. And my new, this is my new coral lipstick for the summer. I'm not sure I'm digging it. I but. love it. I joined your lipstick club and put some on for myself too. <laughs> so Alana, Alana and I did a podcast, her podcast, um, well, just a couple of days ago. Like two or three weeks. Yes. Cool. It'll be a- and I was telling her I'm in my podcast cave, which is really just like a cave of soundproofing. And I put on, I might not even be wearing pants when I do my podcast, but <laughs> lipstick. Lipstick is key. <laughs> Lipstick on. That's all that matters. Um, Alana, can you give me one second? Since we're live, I'm going to announce the winner of my pre-launch party giveaway. Danielle Boehm. Danielle Boehm, you have won a $50 Target gift card. So you're a winner for today. Alana, I got so many questions. So I opened this up to my email list and I opened this up to Instagram and Facebook. And so many questions. Um, which is hilarious because I know, I'm sure you know this in your work is some people were like three pages long and yeah. like documenting like at 137, this happened. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So what I did is I kind of combined, it seemed like there were big categories of stuff. Okay. Cool. Um, so I kind of combined them because I thought that would be easier. I don't know. I know when I go live on Facebook and I try to answer questions, sometimes the longer the question, the more I get like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me ask you really quick. How did you become a sleep expert? Were you like super passionate about sleep? Did well, like nap? I started with my daughters. My daughter, my kids are older now. My eldest is 11 and my, I've, uh, my second and third are twins. They're eight. Um, so it started with her. And I mean, I was like so many parents that contact me. First time parent, didn't realize how much sleep would rule my world once you have a baby <laughs> uh, or lack thereof, I should say. And I mean, you know, 12 years ago, uh, you couldn't really hire a sleep consultant there. You know, this is a relatively, it's a very fast growing industry, but it's a really a relatively new industry. So did it all myself, just, you know, researched and, uh, did all my readings and put a, put a sleep plan together that worked with my family and really enjoyed doing it. And I was actually the first out of my group of friends to, you know, have kids. So then shortly thereafter they started having kids and then I was helping them. And then it just kind of snowballed. Um, but it wasn't until I was pregnant with the twins. I always wanted to run my own business and do something. So I was pregnant with the twins. Uh, my girlfriend was going to hire a sleep consultant for her child who was a couple months older than my twins. And I'm like, I'll help you. What are you doing? And then I just thought, I can actually do this myself. So I got certified, started Good Night Sleep Site. Good Night Sleep Site started eight years ago. Yeah, eight years ago. And since then, we have grown our team. Now we have over 20 consultants throughout Canada and the U.S., and we help babies to adults sleep better. So, yeah. We have such similar stories. I know yeah. you said that on the podcast, but yeah. you were like asking me my history. 
yeah. and I didn't get yours. So that's so funny. And even almost the same length of time. Yeah. Um, all right. So sleep. So here's my deal with potty training and parenting is right. sleep is like an actual nutrient. And I tell parents, like, do you skip meals with your toddler? Do you like shave time off of meals? Like you don't do that, right? Because why? You're going to have a disaster. And so constantly, like I hear this in my community, I hear this from my parents, which is they're, they're okay. It's like this college sleep when you're dead uh, yep. philosophy, you know, like, like sleep just somehow can be shaved off. Right. Now, one of the things that I run into, I run into a couple of different scenarios and, and one is definitely like, parents who know sleep is, is paramount, but they're struggling in some area. But then I also run into yeah. this scenario and I just kind of want you to back me up that I'm saying the right thing. So usually it's, it's a situation where there's a stay at home parent and there's a working parent, the parent, the working parent gets home and wants more time with the child and screws with the bedtime routine right. to get more time. Now for me, I feel like that's putting a parental need before the child need. Yes. And yeah. I, so I, 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 on the podcast saying it like that, um, and I like the way you say it. I'm going to, I might steal that line from you. Cause I like yeah, it. Totally. You can have <laughs> it. You don't even have to steal. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, and I, what I usually do is work with families to figure out when that working parent can get more quality time, you right. know, like maybe weekends are going to be bigger breakfasts or, um, you know, that there can be, you know, better, better quality time, not at night. Yeah. Okay. So you would agree with that. All right. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not like messing parents up. Obviously, you know, I mean, I'm sure in a lot of the answers that I give today, I'm going to be talking early bedtime is going to come up for sure. We definitely promote an earlier bedtime uh, for a few reasons. And listen, I understand. I get it. I mean, that's probably the biggest pushback that we see is that whether it be um, it could be, you know, one working parent or both parents who are working and they want to see their kid. I mean, I get that. percent. Yeah. And there's definitely things, you know, at the end of the day, you have to build a plan, a sleep plan that works with your lifestyle, but you also have to keep the sleep needs of your child in mind. And I always say, you know what, just try it. Just try an earlier bedtime, whether that means you need to start dinner earlier, the whole day therefore needs to be shifted earlier. Maybe baby or child eats before you do, you get baby child down and then you have dinner with your spouse. I mean, if your baby's six months old, like they're not going to miss out on the family dinner. Like, <gasps> I'm so glad you bring that up because, okay, yeah. I did this intuitively. And then there was a big article, probably on like scary mommy that started to circulate about early bedtimes. And I find parents are so resistant because there's all this um, research and data about family meals oh, are everything. Support. And I, and I agree with that. I but think. I also think that it's when the child gets older and sure. is like at school and you have to check in. And I always think, you know, when your kid's three or four, and they can't, they can't sit with you and have dinner, but that's right. not their main meal. Cause by then they're, they're so hungry and you know, they should be in their PJs and it might be part of the nighttime routine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And listen, I'm a big promoter of family meal. We do it at our house, but like I said, my kids are older yeah. when they're babies. I actually prefer them to not be around at dinner because that meant, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. selfish, but that's how it works in my house. So get them fed, get them to bed. And then I could actually have a nice conversation with my husband, which was lovely. So, but yeah, as they go to older, obviously you want to promote that, but you know, I think it's just, it's, we need to often in, in what, with what I do and in my industry, it's you constantly hear of all the other needs other than sleep and sleep is a need. I'm not saying it trumps, uh, you know, the need of love and attention and affection, but we have to look at it as important as healthy eating, as um, healthy relationships, as exercise and activities, 
it's just as important. And it's also important for mom and dad to be well-rested too. Like our children also need that. So we need- And time with your spouse. Good time with your spouse. Yeah. I see. I feel that gets put under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, in my new book and all my work now, I really go, Kim John Payne has this philosophy and I've just, I've taken it and run with it, which is zero to six is governed. Yeah. Six to 12 is garden and 12 to 18 is guide. And I just right. did a live stream where I'm trying to tell people like zero to six, the relationship with your child is bonding for them to feel safe and to know the boundaries and the rules. And so sleep, I feel like good sleep hygiene falls under that and yes. not, um, you know, this, this juicy relationship with your child that comes later. It doesn't yeah. come, like, you're not going to have this like stellar relationship with your three-year-old. It's based on you're the person who's providing for them and that trust in the, in the rules. So I feel like that helps parents too, is like, don't, don't worry about your relationship with your three-year-old. Just be there and be steady and have the yeah. routine in place. For sure. Routines are so important. Yeah. Okay. So first off, I'd like to hit this nail on the head because I think we have different opinions about this and it comes up so regularly because of potty training. And I wish potty training didn't collide with so many other milestones, like two-year molars, which are hell, and individuation, which is the process by which your child knows they're separate from you, right? Right. And they can say no. Now, it also collides with moving your child to the bed from the crib. And a lot of my clients, a lot of my private clients have also consulted with a sleep expert, and they're like petrified of moving from the crib. Right. But now if you're going to potty train a child who starts to wait because they have to go pee and they're stuck in their crib, Right. So I'm of the, I'm of the mindset that moving to the bed sucks regardless. And yeah. the earlier, the better, because I think the kid gets, the rules are more established and they're not as mischievous. They're, they're clueless, but they're not as, right. you know, like a three and a half year old who's in a crib and goes to a bed is like, I'm going to go to the kitchen and do things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, what's your take? When's, okay. when's the... My take is a bit different, actually, which we already knew this. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, it depends on the situation. It depends on the child for sure. We typically don't recommend transitioning child from crib to bed until they are at least three years of age. And because kind of what you said, but on a different, uh, different token is, you know, we feel that at that age, they are more likely to understand the rules. They are more likely to understand expectations. That being said, if you have a child who is you know, you can, you can switch them from crib to bed really at any point. But if you have a child who is showing sleep issues, who is waking multiple times throughout the night, who still needs mom and dad to help them fall back asleep throughout the night, the fix is not to move them to a bed. And it's always the best, you know, often parents think that, oh, if I just, maybe if I move them to a bed, it'll fix everything and they'll start sleeping better. Oh, no, no. I would never think it was a fix. No, I know. I know. No, I'm not saying this is what you think. I'm just general. So we normally recommend work out all your sleep kinks first, that transition. If you have to do it before three years of age, that's fine. I definitely don't recommend doing it before two years of age. You know, unless it's a safety concern, meaning the child's jumping out of the crib and now, uh, you know, we're worried about the child injuring themselves or maybe you need a crib for another child. But even then we're like, there's really affordable cribs that you can buy if you're having, if you're pregnant again and you need to crib for another child. Uh, We really do recommend holding off of it because now you have to understand, now you have a child who possibly is going to get out of bed, especially if they already have sleep issues. Um, it's a lot harder to, it's not impossible to do at all. So if you're watching this and you're in that situation, you can still, you know, teach your child to sleep soundly in their bed um, and not need you. But if, you know, now you have a child who's kind of free to move about the building and now we, ha- and now 
you might be being woken up multiple times throughout the night. And now also there's a safety um, and a danger concern because now, you know, they're roaming about. So we don't normally recommend it till the child's a little bit older. Really, there's no rush. That's how we look at it. I mean, and to do with potty training, I get it, but we tend to hold off until, I mean, we have clients, even some of our own kids that, on our team that are still in their career about four years of age and like, they're fine. So that doesn't, I don't know. That's it. Like, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Like I'm yeah. not judging anybody, but like some kids are like learning to read at four. It just seems like it's infantilizing a bit. Like they can read it, but you know what? Some kids are comfortable in their crib. Like they want to stay in their crib. That is their safe space. They can still read in the crib, you know, but that's, that's their safe space. I mean, if a child who's three or four years of age is vocally and vocalizing that we're ready for a bed, I want to sleep in a bed you yeah, know, yeah. in the crib. But if the child is fine in the crib, um, not giving you any issues and is, is almost comforted. There's actually some clients that we've worked with where we've had to transition them back into a crib because now suddenly when they're in that bed and in that space, especially if you're going from a crib, some kids are going from cribs to say double size beds or even twin beds is much bigger than a crib. Suddenly there's that feeling of like vastness. Uh, yeah. And, and that in itself can cause anxiety that can cause sleep issues down the road. So it's really up to the child. We kind of just leave it up to them and, and tell when they're ready to do it and provided they're sleeping well. Because if they're not sleeping well, don't do it. And so maybe like globally, people who don't have cribs, maybe just because the baby's not been in a crib at all. So it's probably the sensation of having been in a crib to yeah. not being in a crib. So if you like, you never used a crib, they yeah. wouldn't have that feeling. Right. Yeah. Okay. See, what I've always thought too is that I, and I noticed this was with my child and it's been repetitive with clients is when you move them before they have the impetus to climb out, you get about a six month of a magic force field. They don't know they can get out of bed. And but it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, no, it's true. And you know, what, and parents have that fear. Like you, you said it when you first brought up this topic, you know, parents are terrified of making that crypt to bed. Your child will likely be fine. Like more times than not, the transition is seamless and it's nothing happens. The child's yeah, yeah. been in their bed. And what you don't want to do is start saying to them, you don't get out of bed. You can't get out of bed. You have to get out of bed. bed. So once you say it, then they're like, oh. I never thought of that option. Child is a pretty independent sleeper and is doing well. Don't start giving them the idea that they can sleep because they may not even realize that that's an option, right? Yes. yeah. And my, my rule of thumb too, because obviously this transition comes up a lot and it's not, um, it's not anything that I would refer out to a sleep expert. I, I right. feel like I right. can come, you know, but I, and I swear I learned it on super nanny, the program. So I call it the super nanny where you just, you bring the child back every time the child pops up, you bring them back with zero engagement, which is so hard. Yeah. No talking, nothing. You just put them back, put the covers on them and walk out. And like the first night, it's usually like 30 times. Then yeah. the second night, it's like nine. And then by the fourth night, but it's so hard for parents not to engage. And like, oh, I just told him I loved him. I was like, no, you talk to him. It's hard for us to be like, don't look at your child, don't talk to your child. (laughs) You know, you don't want to ever tell a parent to do that to their kid. But yeah, zero stimulation. Zero stimulation. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I also run into, and of course, in my work, I've been doing this a long time. I know it passes, but there are early wake-ups you night train your child yeah. and there is like some conflicting stuff. Cause you do have to night train before the age of four. Otherwise the chances of having a bedwetter go up by 50%. So okay. like, that's where I get like, I've had clients who sleep expert told them the kid needs to stay in the bed till four. And I'm like, no, we need the kid peeing on the toilet before then. Or, right. you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that gets tricky, but there are wake ups be 
what happens is the child now wakes when they have to pee. And I am the person, like, I'm a single mom. My kid woke up every single day at 536. You notice the exact time when it's that time. And so he did every single day. So I tend to, like, tough love parents. I'm like, oh, too bad. It sucks. (laughs) But my experience is that that passes very quickly. Is that your experience? That the the 5 o'clock in the morning pee, then they're up. But that within a couple of weeks, it goes back to normal. Yeah, I mean, it depends on age. Obviously, when we're seeing that with our younger kids, that's normally a sign of overtiredness. But when we're getting into that age group and now they're, they're trying, they need to pee. Yeah, it can't go back. We also, we also tend to kind of watch that it's not, um, our kids are a lot smarter than sometimes we give them credit for. And we want to make sure that that's not kind of the go-to as to like, I want to start the day. So if I say I have to pee, then we will start the day. So what we tend to do is, you know, just like we're teaching those independent sleep skills, we want to teach all independent skills. So, you know, if you get up, again, depending on age and depending on a child can, is in a bad, it can get out themselves. You know, you can wake up at 530. We actually spoke about this on our podcast. So, you know, you guys can listen to that. You answered that question. Um, If there's a potty in the room, the child can get up and use the potty themselves. Or if they're independent enough to go to the bathroom and go pee. Because just because the child gets up at 536 to have to go pee doesn't mean mom and dad necessarily have to get up with the child and start the day at 536. The child can very easily go pee and go back to bed and perhaps fall back asleep or play quietly until it's time to get up in the morning. So that's the side of it that we teach. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. A cup, I'm going to launch right in. I got so many questions that, and again, I, I clumped them. But a big one is, so mama's parent who have been really good sleepers. And now all of a sudden, either because the kid wakes them up or they just wake up, it seems to be around 3 a.m. That's the trouble zone. And then they start with their anxiety and they start, their wheels start turning. They start scrolling their phone, which they know is bad and they can't get back to sleep. Do you have any tips? Do you have any like meditation apps or? Yes. So this is for moms, right? This This is for parents. Yeah. Yeah. So um, phones out. I mean, I'm going to say that probably a lot. Tech is probably the biggest sleep buster, sleep um, disturber there. Um, Do you remember a long time ago I said, yeah, but Alana, Alana, I use it for my, um, I use it for my alarm. And you looked at me like I was the dumbest human alive. And you were like, get like an alarm. Yeah. Get an alarm clock. And I was like, oh, right. (laughs) And I say it all the time. Like when you said that, I knew what I said. Because stores still sell alarm clocks. So go buy my clock. Yeah, no. I mean, listen, that's the biggest pushback that I get is my phone is my alarm, right? So I totally get it. But yeah, go buy an alarm clock. You don't have a phone in your room. Um, We tend to get up if our wheels start turning. Definitely there's... um, Now, in saying that, there are great um, apps and podcasts and... um, meditation apps and breathing exercises and things like that, that you can use your phone for to help you get back to bed. So while tech, I don't normally recommend it. There is tech that can help us sleep better, but things like using, I'm a big believer in mindful breathing. There's different breathing exercises that you can learn for sure. Making sure you're really setting up your sleep environment for sleep. So, you know, if you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning and your desk is right beside your bed and your work is there piling up or you know, our rooms become everything. It becomes our entertainment center. It becomes our home office. It becomes our gym. It becomes our kids' playground. And if we're waking up and seeing all this clutter, it's just going to add our clutter to our mind. So really kind of clearing okay. up, creating that sleep sanctuary so that when you do wake up, you're waking up in that calming and peaceful environment. Um, but a big tip that I give to a lot of people, one that people maybe don't realize they can do is if you are waking up and you are tossing and turning and you're unable to fall back asleep, it's okay to get out of bed and do a quiet activity. I know that might seem hard, 
because logically we think I just, A, I don't want to get out of bed. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm exhausted. I just can't fall asleep. Um, and B, you know, I'm supposed to be trying to fall asleep. So why are you telling me to get out of bed? It's mm-hmm. really important to create a positive association between sleep and bed. So we should be sleeping 85% of the time that we're in bed. So if we're constantly tossing and turning, and then we start clock watching, even if you have an alarm clock, guys, set it and turn it around. You don't need to know what time it is because we've all been stuck in that cycle of the countdown, right? Go to the- I only have one more hour. I have one more hour. Yeah, one more hour. <laughs> more hours. So, you know, get out of bed, do a quiet activity. Don't turn on every light, dim lights, read. Don't check your email. Don't turn on the TV. Um, you know, read a couple chapters in an actual book, do a puzzle or something that's just low stimulation. Uh, 10 or 15 minutes and try again. You might have to do that a couple times throughout the night, but the more you do it, the quicker you're going to fall asleep when you get into bed and the more than you're strengthening that association between that positive, that positive association between sleep and your bed. Yeah. My room is very austere. It has to be like, it's almost empty. It's got like a bed and That's I don't even have like bureau crap. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's like all these studies that have not studies, but like research has come out that the eight, eight to 10 hour sleep cycle is fairly new that throughout history, it was two nights. So you would go to bed and then you would wake up like two, like work two to four and then go back to sleep. And I can tell you my book, both my books were written at three o'clock in the morning. Yes. So Um, say about your, the creativity, um, a lot of creative writers tend to write at night or in the very, very early morning. I mean, listen, we are, we're definitely affected by light pollution. So when we, you know, compare where we are today to where, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Past, I mean, that definitely affects our sleep. Uh, not just the tech in our house, but you know, outside lights and and this and all of that. So that's definitely affects um, our natural twenty four hour biological clock for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next question: Is it? actually possible to shift waking times. So I got this in sort of various um, incarnations. And one particular mama, she has the okay to wake clock in the room and it works fine for her daughter, but then she had a baby and they share a room now. The baby gets up at 520 and their bedtimes are six and 730. So she just, and she's like, I've tried everything. I've tried to shift the night time. I thought those bedtimes were really good. And I know personally with my son, like I said, he woke up every day at 536. I mean, in utero, he was doing cartwheels. So it wasn't a surprise. And I just, I played around with bedtimes till I figured out he needed 530 in the evening. Right. Yeah. Try to put your kid to bed at 530 in the evening. Society's going to kick your ass up and down because it's like, that's too early. No wonder he gets up too early. And I said, no, he needs to sleep. So can you shift that? I, I, it wasn't my experience, but can you shift that wake up in young, young kids? You can't, I mean, you know, normally when a family's coming to us and saying our baby or toddler is waking up too early, the very first question I always ask is what time is bedtime? Because sleep, mm-hmm. that, that tells me right away, likely sleep is getting lost somewhere. So whether it be that bedtime is too late, whether it be that we need to focus on naps, maybe consolidate naps a little bit more, you know, we need to make up for some of that sleep. So likely bedtime needs to be moved up and just more consistent with it. I don't know how old the child is. What I always tell parents too is you could have a, I mean, a general natural wait time is anywhere between six and 7 a.m. So I normally tell mom and dad between six and 7 a.m., what time do you want to start your day with your child? I can't promise you that's when your child's going to wake up, but you're setting the time to start the day, not your child. So, I mean, obviously this isn't, you know, we're not talking about newborns here, but as your child right. older, you know, so whether your child you could have that natural 5.30 waker. It's not that common, but you could. But, you know, if your child's waking up at 5.30 or 6 or 6.30, but you're not ready to start your day till 7, 
rule of thumb is don't go in the room till seven, you know, and the more consistent you are with that, the more that they're going to understand it. You know, my kids now are 11 and eight. Like I said, I have three kids and um, even they know now, you know, don't even like mention my name until at least seven o'clock in the morning, you know, and (laughs) weekends. I mean, my kids are older, so they all, they all tend to sleep in a little bit more now, but you know, they know that, you know, they can't come downstairs. Now they're old enough to come downstairs and get their own breakfast, but you can't come downstairs till at least seven o'clock in the morning. So, but that's something that we've been doing with them since they were babies. So right. Right. Consistency. Yeah. Just be really consistent with that. Yeah. And I, it's funny because now I'm a ridiculously early riser and he's turns 13 next week. And so like the day I, you guys, I spent the yeah. first six years of like praying for the teenage years. Cause I was like, when is he going to sleep 17 hours a day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sure yeah. enough, he like wants to sleep till like 11 now. So yeah. he comes back. Yeah, exactly. But, Let's talk about consistency because honestly, I think, I feel like that's in potty training and sleep. And I find it all over parenting is the inconsistency. And so parents expecting a result, even though they're inconsistent. And I got a couple of what I call just cluster fucks, people writing in about sleep, like, well, it was this. And, and some of them were like real honest, like one little girl was, um, she had a lot of health issues. So she ended up like the mom wanted her in bed with her so she could monitor her coughing and things like that. Then there was this, but there was such inconsistency with co-sleeping and not co-sleeping. And so now the little girl is three and a half and she's waking up three or four times a night, going to mom's bedroom. Dad yep. doesn't want to co-sleep. So it really is sort of a clusterfuck. And my, my view when I just looking at it is like, you gotta be consistent. The minute you cave to co-sleeping, yeah. it's not, it's not like irreparable damage, but it's going to be so hard to come back for that. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, Consistency is everything. And you, you and your partner, you and your team, because a lot of times we're working with daycare providers and or nannies or grandparents, both partners, both parents have to be on the same page. So you've got to go in with that, you know, no matter what age we're dealing with, you've got to go in on the same page. And there's, I always say there's no negotiation with toddlers. Uh, you know, you don't negotiate with terrorists or toddlers. <laughs> um, you just exactly. don't. There's no gray with them. It's black or white. You know, you've got to they define if you take, if you have an inch, they're going to take a yard. They're just going to like reel in the power. Yeah. Cause they're, they're just, they're also at that age where they're like, okay, how much can I push? Like, what can I get away with? But likely at that age when, and you know, this, when we're seeing the pushback and we're seeing, um, you know, uh, behavior issues, it's, they want that control. And if we're giving them that control, they want it, but that's what makes them freak out because they need to know what's happening next. And when they yeah. have that, well, they don't, right? So, you know, every time I, I start working with a family of, of that age group of toddlers, I always say, well, who's training who? It's always the toddler training the parent. So we've got to take that control back. And you take that control back, like you said, with consistency of the plan, with the follow through, uh, with, you know, age appropriate consequences and not in a domineering or punishment way, but they need to, they need to know what the expectations are and what the sleep rules are. And you would be surprised at how young you can start implementing that and that they truly do understand it. And you have to be on the same team for sure. That's that's a lot of problems sometimes I see, but also I think what happens and I'm seeing it more and more, I have this um, parent coaching circle that a membership that's going on right now. and, And I have a bunch of parents in there and it's so cool because I'm realizing, Oh my God, parents are so anxious about setting boundaries. Again, they feel like they they're being mean when they're being very appropriate. And so right. I feel like we have to like collectively as a society go back to like, no, no, no. Like, like you said, who's training who? And I call it the yeah. power one. Somebody's always got the power. So if it's yeah. not you, it's them. And then you're in yeah. trouble because the three-year-olds run in the house. And that's, I mean, you know, we, it's, it's easy for us during the day to say no, or, you know, I say there's no, it's no different. You 
allowing them to get away with what they want store and they throw a tantrum because you're not buying them they want there's no difference you know so um but it's it's listeners i had to work at it too um i mean they are it's you know they times you know they're they they have their moments as well so it's really important to for them to understand what the expectations are because sometimes we just assume they know but they really don't right 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 and anybody right now who's having sleep trouble trust me on this like it's going to pass. Like, sometimes you got to put in the water. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Hey, do you have a recommendation for a good book about sleep training? Like say somebody can't really afford a consultant at this point in time. Do you have a go-to book that you recommend? Uh, well, actually we're in the midst of writing a book. So that will be an ebook, uh, October. So I will let everybody know, okay. uh, when that's out, but that's going to be basically from zero to 18 months of age. And it's going to have everything in it. Uh, we have some great resources on our page. If you go to goodnightsleepsite.com, we have tons of blog posts, articles, TV segments, podcasts. Um, if you follow uh, my podcast, This Will Love Sleep, we have a lot of great information there that you can check out. And a lot of our parents, just from using that resources information, are able to put a sleep plan together to help their kids. We also have a great um, Facebook community. So our Facebook page is Goodnight Sleep Site, but if you go to our group, it's Goodnight Sleep Site Community, um, and it's um, parents and two of our consultants every week come on the group, um, and it's just tired parents, like anyone watching, and they're all asking everyone supporting each other. It's a very non-judgment sleep training page. Um, oh, that's and a awesome. Lot of, yeah, so Goodnight Sleep Site Community. You check that out. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Naps. I, there were so many different incarnations of this question. Naps, 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 naps that are falling off the rails. When do you give up a nap? When the nap gets too late, they're still napping at school, but won't nap on the weekends. It just yeah. seems like everybody's struggling with naps. Fucking naps. <laughs> just I, love naps. Yeah, I love naps. Yeah. Can I tell you the funniest story? My son, yeah. my mom gave me the best advice. She doesn't always, but she gave me the best advice. Like he was about two and a half. And I said, oh, I think he's given up his nap. And she was like, no, he's not. That's yeah. not a choice he gets to make. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I kept it going. He started kindergarten. So he was going to, I homeschool now, but he went to school for kindergarten. It was a week before kindergarten. I was like, holy shit, you don't, you still nap. Like we got to yeah. practice staying up and for the whole day. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's, it, listen, and that's a big transition. We see it with a lot of kids going from like one to none, right? Because they're being forced to because of school. So um, naps are probably that from families, whether it's how do I get my face to nap longer? When do I know to drop a nap? How do I go from the, you know, three to two, two to one, one to none? Yeah, naps are probably the biggest struggle for sure. So going back to kind of what I was saying before, we have a ton of nap information on our site, again, through articles, podcasts, TV segments, all of that stuff. So you can check it out there. Um, Consolidating naps are probably the biggest um, people that are watching that have babies to nap longer than those 30 to 45 minutes. That's very, that's a sleep cycle for babies. That's a very common issue, how to get them to get into that next cycle to consolidate that sleep. The reason why we see such a struggle during the day as opposed to night. So a lot of parents say, you know, why can my babies do these nice stretches at night? But during the day, I'm just getting these 30 to 45 minute naps. Um, their drive for sleep is just stronger at night. There's less distractions, obviously, as well. Um, but their drive for sleep is stronger, just like our drive for sleep is stronger at night. So it's cyclists, we don't even realize perhaps that we're waking up. So teaching independent sleep skills for sure is important. And just waiting a little bit, often we think, you know, when they're coming out of that 30 to 45 minute cycle, whether it be they're making a little bit of noise, 
waking up a little bit, starting to cry perhaps because they're not, you know, they still maybe need your help to fall back asleep. We often then assume nap is over. It's not. So stop, wait, and listen. We always say, even if you can just do five minutes one day, you can extend it to 10. If you can, the longer you give them that opportunity skill of independent sleep during the day, it's harder for them to get it. They can do it. I don't doubt that anyone watching this right now who's asleep with their child, your child is 100% capable of sleeping well. It's just what kind of opportunities are we doing for them to learn it? Because it is is a skill. Independent sleep is a skill that they need to learn. So naps take time, guys. Up on naps. Your child will not figure out naps in a day. They likely will not. Great day of naps. um, And you're like, my kid is a genius. I don't know what this lady's talking about. We got to figure it out. And then the next day, it's a total shit show. It's that is normal. Do not get discouraged by that. You could have a great morning nap and then an awful afternoon nap. So yeah, just be really um, consistent and, and looking away for transitions um, going from the three to two, you're probably looking anywhere between six to eight months. You're probably dropping that third nap going from two to one. So going down to one nap, probably around that 15 to 18 month mark um, and then dropping naps altogether. It could be as early as two years. We normally recommend hanging on till about anywhere between three to five years of age. It depends on the child. Yeah. 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 And I think like even in preschool, it's like a, a quiet time, like always have a quiet time. Yeah. Don't yeah. just ditch, you know, you think the kid's given up the nap, at least have them in their room. They can be playing, yeah. but more, more likely than not, they'll sack out. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really, if you're, I don't know. I love naps. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like, I always say this, like, Imagine as an adult, how amazing it would be if someone was forcing you to take a nap every single day and it would be like, yes, I'll do it. You know, like kids just don't realize how good they have. You it. spend the first half of your life avoiding sleep and the second exactly. half trying to get more. And- yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. And it's really good to hear that it's not like I was just I just did a live stream in my coaching group today about like there's no end. Like, stop thinking like at four, you're going to be done parenting or you're going to nail it. Like parenting is a practice and like one day it's going to be great. And the other day it's going to be shitty. And it's good to hear that naps like aren't a nail down thing. So that's, no. yeah, that's good. Parenting is unfortunately. <laughs> okay. What is your, I know, right. Um, <laughs> even that, right. What's your that's final true. answer on how much sleep each age group needs? Cause a lot of people said Google shockingly had many different answers. Um, so, uh, babies to toddlers, you're looking probably about 14 to 15 hours in a 24 hour period. Um, so that includes nap and night sleep. Um, when we get to our older kiddos, um, oh gosh, you're, you're, um, now my brain is blanking, of course, anywhere between, uh, our really older kids. And I just know this because we're working on a, a tween and teen package right now, program right now that we're launching soon. Um, six or around eight years to 13, you're looking at anywhere between, um, 11 to like nine to 11 hours of sleep. Um, we get into our teen years. So you're looking at maybe like 14 to 18. You're looking at anywhere between, um, still, still a lot, like nine to 10 hours of sleep per night. So, you know, always remembering that our kids need a lot more sleep than we do. They can't turn on those seven to eight hours of sleep like we can, if that's what we're even getting. Right. Um, so it's really important, again, focusing on those naps, those consolidated naps, those earlier bedtimes. That's what's going to get in good quantity of sleep, but also quality of sleep. We can't really forget that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always tell people, err on the side of more. What about um, the kid who goes down, the parents, and, and, and again, a couple of people ask this in some way, shape, or form. The kid who goes down, they have a stellar nighttime routine. 
you know, they're going to bed at 637, which I think is a perfect time. And the child is not disruptive, but doesn't close his eyes till nine. Should that be a later bedtime? And it's pretty regular. Yeah. I mean, my saying, it depends on the age of the child. My saying with my kids always was like, they could throw a party in their room for all I care as long as I'm bothering me. So depending on how they are, so if <laughs> that is happening, we're putting them down, whether they be in a crib or a bed, they just need their, some just need that time. They could be going through a developmental milestone. It could be a short-term thing, even if it's happening long-term. Um, it's not to say that you should be, you know, definitely shifting out bedtime and getting them down to bed later because maybe they just need that downtime as well. But if they're, they're okay during the day, they're not displaying signs of overtired, of moodiness. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not seeing a kid who is, you know, melting down and having temperature. Like you, we all know what our kids are like when they're tired. Right. So if they're fine during the day, um, it's okay. Like, don't worry too much about it. I think we tend to, we don't, the one thing that we don't want to do is well, we need to prioritize sleep and really focus on our sleep, our kids sleep needs. Sometimes we can get a little too hyper-focused on it. Um, and if they're relatively, you know, good temperament during the day, I just need a little bit longer to wind down and get to sleep. And they don't need you going in and out of the room till nine o'clock. They're fine. Like, like you said, it'll, it'll pass and they'll likely start falling asleep earlier again. Don't That's good it. to know. Yeah. I, I have to constantly remind yeah. parents to stop fixing things that aren't broke. Like if, it, if exactly. they're not bugging you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and real quick, I know I, I thank you so much for your time today. I don't want to keep you much longer. Um, yeah. There's so many of the kids who need, you know, they're waking up, they need milk, they forgot their lovey, they need the blankets. I mean, to me, this is sort of a no-brainer of don't give in. Don't go in, don't engage, put them back in bed. Do you have anything to add? I think parents are freaking out. Same thing with breastfeeding. I think they're freaking out that the kid actually might be hungry. Right. But I wouldn't give food in the middle of the night anyway. So I don't think it's cool to give milk in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not breastfeeding. I'm talking about a, like a three or four year old who wants milk. Of course. Yes. No, for sure. I mean, and that's for a few reasons. One is, you know, again, we don't want to give into that behavior, right? A lot of the times they're just trying to get our attention. They just don't want to sleep. So it's like, I want another story. I want some milk. I need my blankie. I need this stuffed animal, not that stuffed animal. I don't like the pajamas <laughs> I'm wearing. You know, it's a list. So a couple of things, that, but also what we don't want too is we don't want to be giving, sometimes having that feed in the middle of the night could actually cause more disruptive sleep throughout the night. I remember what I said, it's not just about the quantity of sleep, so we really need to focus on the quality. And if we're, you know, if our child's waking up in the middle of the night, it's um, them with that. Now their body's busy, busy digesting whatever they're able to get that good quality of the night. It's like us, right? If you wake up at 12 o'clock at night or whatever time and then have a big whatever, as well for the rest of the night, right? So we want to avoid that. So a couple of things, obviously, getting into this kind of go into the method of what method you want to teach. If we're seeing frequent night wakings, we have to kind of remove that um, that association or those behaviors. Also, what I, I'm not a big fan of the reward chart system. Like, you get a sticker if you don't do this, and you get a sticker if you don't do that. Um, what I do like, though, is a lot of visuals. So, I hate those. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you do. But visual charts, I think, are great. So like routine charts so that I can visually see you do each step. And what I like about it is it's, it's a go-to for you. So let's say their bedtime routine is, you know, have a bath, teeth, read a story or say a prayer, have a glass of water, kisses, cuddles, book, whatever you do in your bedtime routine, visually play it out on a board. And they can join you. They can make the board with you, make it fun and exciting. And as you're going through the routine, you're pointing, okay, we had our book. We had our 
our milk and cuddles. We had our story so that when they go yes. back and they're like, Oh, I want to kiss or, Oh, I want some milk or oh, it's like, uh, 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 we've already done it. It's bedtime. Right. So it's just that visual reminder for them. It's that visual reference for you. Um, that can work really well that uh, we work. We and I'm a big fan of whiteboards. Yeah. Like yeah, whiteboards sure. and then you can make a chat and we do this with the bedtime, the potty stall. Yeah. yeah. And I tell people build in the whole stall, which is like, do you need, do you have all your guys that you need? Yeah. Do you need yeah. any more kisses? Do you need to tell me anything? Do you need? <laughs> Are we good? All right. And last thing, last thing. I know we talked about this about uh, in the podcast and I sort of like, I know it's important. Talk to me about sleep apnea and adenoids because that can really be affecting sleep in ways that parents aren't even aware of. Like what, what should they be looking for? Yeah. So you want to look for mouth breathing, a lot of mouth breathing, a lot of snoring. Your child is a snorer. If your child is a relatively good sleeper, but is still showing a lot of dakiness, waking up tired for our older kids, uh, our kids that are perhaps in grade. So here, let me tell you a little bit of a story. So my daughter was diagnosed with that, with sleep apnea, large tonsils and adenoids. We recently had them removed. She's my youngest twin daughter. Um, and she, I mean, like I said, all my kids are good first, but she was always from birth, the one I had to do less work with. She was just always a solid sleeper. You know, I didn't have to do a lot of training with her. Just kind of, there are some kids where just naturally she was one of them. But in saying that, she would always have bags under her eyes. I got her allergies. And, you know, you think, is it dairy? Is it this, that, and that? All these tests, all fine. Always complaining that she was tired, but I didn't understand it. Because I'm like, she was getting, out of all three of them, she was getting all hours of sleep. She was doing really great. And it wasn't until we went away, we took a long road trip. She was four, three or four years old. And halfway through the road trip, we all had to, to have an overnight at a hotel and we all stayed in the same room. And I woke up to this loud snoring and I thought oh, it was my wow. husband. So I'm elbowing him being like, shut up. And he's like, mm. that's your dog. And we were shocked at how loud she was snoring. And I mean, here I am doing what I do. I can't tell you how many clients I referred out to their doctors having the same symptoms as my daughter, but because it was my kid, right, didn't see it. it was like a uh, parent failed big time. Sure enough, brought her to the doctor. There's um, a large tonsil and what the ENT, so they would like you refer you to an ear, nose and throat. And what the ENT actually told me was that you tend to see it more in the older kids. Once they get, again, I'm in Canada, so it might be a little bit different in states, but once they get into grade, a lot of our kindergarten is um, learn and play. So there's a lot of them, right? So they're constantly on the go. So you're not really seeing because I'm like, well, she doesn't get a lot of, you know, throat infections or she's not falling asleep during the day. Her teachers never brought it up. She's like, because they're playing so much during the day, you don't tend to see the tiredness. But once they get in and they're now sitting at a desk, we get in a lot of six-year-olds. That's when suddenly they're falling asleep at the desk. You're seeing a lot more of that daytime sleepiness. Ah. And that's our age group that she's doing it, right? So um, sure enough, we got her tonsils and adenoids removed. And um, I have to tell you, everyone said, when you do it, you're going to see a difference in her personality. She's a pretty good kid. I don't know. <laughs> I can't see her being much more awesome than what she are. But I got to tell you, she right, right, right. Art that she never had before. Like she was just more spunky and more like quick wit, and just it was just this different little girl. And I mean, you feel the guilt. You're just like, oh my god, how exhausted was this poor child? So you know, again, right. a lot of daytime. That was a very long story, but because you know it, it, it happened to me. I share it. Um, if you're seeing a lot of snoring, a lot of mouth breathing, a lot of waking up with dry throats, it's not. Don't necessarily think it's strep throat or ear infections or whatever any of that stuff. Is your child 
sleeping pretty well and you're really protecting their sleep, but they're still showing a lot of daytime sleeping and tonsils checked for sure. Great. Yeah. And I know you had mentioned that in, in the sleep chapter of my new book. So um, yeah. I wanted to expound on that because I feel like cool. that's something none of us think about, you know? Mm-hmm. Sleep yeah. apnea doesn't, it can happen with kids, adults, you know, men, women, overweight, not overweight. Uh, so yeah, it definitely doesn't discriminate. Yeah. I feel really lucky. I was plagued with horrible insomnia in my twenties. So I have always been very protective of sleep. And now I just, I'd rather sleep than eat. Like, it's just like, no, I'm going to bed. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> like, yeah. I, just, I don't even go out anymore. I'm like, no, I want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, Alana. This has been so great. And I can see some of the comments. Everybody's like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, where can people find you? Goodnightsleepsite.com. Yes. Yeah. So uh, website is goodnightsleepsite.com. Follow me on Instagram at gnsleepsite. Uh, check out our podcast, This Girl Loves Sleep, and you can download that or subscribe wherever you download podcasts from. Yeah. We, again, we have a great Facebook community, Goodnight Sleep Site community. I'm everywhere. Just go on our website. Everything's on nightsleepsite.com. Yeah. And your icon for your podcast is the cutest thing ever. Thank I was you. so jealous when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, you're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, mama. We'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. I'll let you know. Yes, cool. I'll I'll hawk it like mad. All right. I'm gonna sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book pre-sale treats when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.